Welcome on into the Superintendent Radio Network and episode 23 of Off the Course, the podcast where golf course superintendents and other turf pros talk about anything other than their work. My guest today is Kel Renzel, who has worked as a groundskeeper at literally, literally every level of North American professional baseball, rookie ball, short season single A, full season single A, double A, triple A. He's been around long enough now that not all of those levels even exist anymore. And for a couple months this season, the major leagues. He was hired earlier this year to be the groundskeeper for the AAA Buffalo Bisons, but on his second day there, he found out Salem Field would be the home of the Toronto Blue Jays for, as it turned out, a couple of months. That changed his job responsibilities plenty. We talk a little bit about that, a little bit about the season that was, and because we try to not talk about work too much on off the courts, his lifelong Marvel and now Marvel Cinematic Universe fandom. Also, you will hear this again and again and again, he has a fantastic laugh. Before any of that, a quick note from the sponsor of Off the Course, AquaAid Solutions. For more than 30 years, AquaAid Solutions has been helping turf managers around the world develop comprehensive agronomic plans to produce healthy, environmentally aware, safe, natural grass playing surfaces. They're proud to deliver best-in-class solutions for management of key elements for a healthy and sustainable plant system. Their solutions include wetting agents, soil surfactants, calcium and potassium products, and worm power turf, all of which help the end user, that's you, optimize his or her agronomic programs. Incorporating AquaAid Solutions technologically advanced active ingredients with cutting-edge equipment technology and IMANTS, Vrito Seeders, and Seagrow Mobile Grow Systems, turf managers are offered synergistic solutions, delivering long-lasting agronomic value, improved aesthetics, and playability. AquaAid Solutions is also the sponsor of our new Turf Heads Guide to Grilling, which encourages industry professionals everywhere to share glamour shots of food on their grills or their serving plates, to share cooking videos, to share team bonding shots, recipes, tips, and more. Just use the Turf Heads Grilling hashtag and tag at GCI Magazine and at Solutions for Turf. That's Solutions, the number four, Turf on Twitter. We'll be publishing an insert in our December Turf Heads Takeover issue, and if your recipe is among those that wind up in print, you'll receive a very nice maple cutting board. Those are really nice. Those are really nice, and I want one. And Guy has one, and I don't have one. So, I don't know. I, don't, I also don't grill that much. Anyway, enough about that and enough about the cutting boards. Send in a recipe. Maybe you'll get one. You'll certainly get a koozie. Let's talk about baseball and Marvel with Kel Renzel. Again, Cal Rensel, longtime minor league baseball groundskeeper, just finished his 14th season. If you include 2008 with the Mahoning Valley Scrappers, you were an intern there. That was, right? yes, I was an intern. Yep. 14 seasons in minor league baseball, and now you're finally in AAA. First season with the Buffalo Bisons and, and really half a season with the Toronto Blue Jays. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm good. <laughs> finally getting to the off season and slowing up a little bit and just kind of putting everything to bed. So there are so many golf course superintendents who just made it through a hundred days of hell and you did too. 
but you're now able to work basically what? What did you say when we talked the other day? 10 to 3? 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. right now? Pretty much. Yeah, that's what we're kind of doing. Um, I know I got most, some of my guys still lingering around. They're kind of 10 to 3, 10 to 4-ish, three days a week. And I'm kind of in five days a week, about kind of the same hours, 10 to, 10 to 4, 10 to 5, something like that. So taking it a lot easier, which is good. And like I said, we're just kind of putting the field to bed, doing all these last little minute projects. We just kind of realigned the bases and reset the rubber and did that. We built a new nail drag today and we're going to aerate and top dress next week. So really putting her to bed now. I saw I was on Twitter just the other day, Nicole Sherry with the Baltimore Orioles was working with her crew to rebuild. I can't remember if it was the Homer Road bullpen pitcher's mound. Yeah. And the process of taking that out, but I learned something and it makes sense, but you cannot reuse a pitcher's mound once it's been taken out of the mound. Like you cannot reuse the rubber once it's taken out. Of the Pretty mound. much. Yeah. Cause there are four sides, but you know, you flip them and they last about, you know, you maybe will get a side per year. So they last maybe three years, four years, depending on usage. And then you just kind of throw them out or whatever you want to do with it. <laughs> Stuff that golf course superintendents do not need to think about. There's so much on a golf course, bunkers, tees, fairways, plant protectants. Mm-hmm golfers yeah <laughs> they don't worry about pitchers mounts pitchers no program. not at all so we are going to get into the marvel cinematic universe and nerddom and fandom in general but before we get into any of that you are a podcast veteran you've been on three other podcasts in the last <laughs> year uh including the great tiger turf talk podcast with drew miller down in yeah. Virginia. absolutely love drew he's a he's a friend of the uh magazine he was on the cover a couple of years ago that's awesome. No, he's a good guy. It was great to be on the podcast with him. Finally do that. You know, it's, it's always a big who's who in the, in the industry can be on that podcast. So that was cool. But you did just wrap up your first season in AAA slash the majors. And you were one of the folks I talked with for a story in the magazine earlier this year, kind of about just the, just the crap 2020 that a lot of folks in minor league baseball endured. And you were one of them, you were furloughed before you wound up moving from uh, the Great Lakes Loons in the Midwest League to the Buffalo Bisons in uh, the International League in AAA. But how, how did this season go for you? It was, it was a dream come true. Just to spend those two months in the big leagues. You know, as a kid in the backyard, I wanted to play in the big leagues. So at some point you realize I'm not going to get there because my talent's not that good. But I got to spend two months in the big leagues changing first base up for an MVP candidate. And that was, that was awesome. Uh, just to be around those guys and to be around Tom Farrell, uh, the head groundskeeper for the Blue Jays and his staff was just, it was awesome. It was, it was, and like I said, it was an absolute dream come true. I went to the ballpark every day and it just, it never got old. I went to work with a smile on my face. I remember the first game I got in really early and I was watering the infield and I was like by myself and I almost had tears in my eyes because I went, like I said before, almost more than 600 days without a game. And now I went from, I don't know what's going to happen with my career and my future too. I'm now in the big leagues. So that was, that was something I'll never forget. You, I don't think you've ever worked in the golf industry, but you are a golfer when you have time, right? I, I don't golf. No, really? No, you did. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Everybody gets on me for that. Cause I don't golf. One of my good friends back home is a, it's a golf coach, uh, Gannon. Uh, my brother started golfing a couple of years ago. My brother-in-law golfs. My father-in-law golfs. Everybody gives me a hard time in the industry because I don't golf. I, I just never picked it up. I, I'm, well, I, I don't know. You got to go 
I know I've, I've introduced you over the, over the, the Twitterverse to Thad Thompson, uh, yeah. Terry Hills, Maine. So get to Terry Hills in Batavia, go golf 27 with Thad Thompson. He'll, he'll take care of you. But I was going to ask, you know, going from, you know, you've been in a ball, you've been in double a, you've been in rookie, you've been in short season. Now you've been in triple a and the majors, you know, working every day to prepare the field for the major leagues for, for the blue Jays and, and who they had coming in every time. Like if you were a golf guy, what would you compare that to? Is that like working a member guest every single day or, or what does that compare to when you're doing a ball one season, and the majors the next? Yeah, pretty much. Um, it was still the same thing, you know, nothing changes really. The bases are still 90 feet apart and mound is still 60 feet, six inches. So I, it, it was just more pressure because we were on TV every night. So yeah, it was member guest every single day and that heightened everything's got to be perfect, but it was still the same routine, still mowing every day, still taking care of the, the warning track and the infield and the bullpen still the same. We just had more people and more eyes on us. And internationalized. One of the weird things I think yeah. <laughs> there in, in June and got the chance to see you the next day was the outfield advertisements. Yeah. A lot of them were for Canadian companies. So yeah, it was all Canadian companies yeah. and you know, it's, it's, it was their gig. So they, they had their advertisements up and they wanted it really to feel like a home game there at the Rogers center. Are there Tim Hortons in Buffalo? I don't even know. They're everywhere. They're, okay. I literally, okay. I'm in an apartment complex. We have a Tim Hortons and a Wendy's. And then across the street is another Tim Hortons in a Delta Sonic. So there's a Tim Hortons across the street from Tim Hortons. I'm it's not like kidding. Starbucks in Seattle, where there are street corners where, I don't know if they still are, but there used to be street corners with three or four Starbucks. on. Yeah, it's nuts. They're, it, they're on every single street corner. Yeah. Any highlights from the season? Obviously, you said, you know, getting to prepare the field for and, and getting to watch guys like Vlad, Vlad Guerrero Jr. And George Springer got healthy after a while. And yeah. Hey, Oscar Hernandez and just team mashers that just missed the playoffs. Uh, what were some of the highlights for you? Just everything the, uh, from sun up to sundown was, was memorable. You know, we had not just an MVP candidate, but a Cy Young candidate and Robbie Ray, he had a great year. So watching him pitch every day and seeing the Yankees come in, seeing Houston come in, seeing the Marlins come in, seeing Seattle and Texas and all those teams coming in and seeing those guys play. It was, everything was memorable. Every single day was memorable. There's nothing really that stands out as the moment. Everything really was the moment. And then they go back up to Canada when Canada says, okay, we can reopen our borders. We can have however many people in Rogers Center. It's not Rogers Center anymore. But whatever it used to be the Sky Dome. It used to be the Sky Dome. It is Rogers Center now. Yeah. It is still Rogers Center. Yeah. Yeah. They open the borders. The Blue Jays can come back. You guys get the Bisons. So that's when you officially worked AAA for the first time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What was that? Uh, I just, you know, it's the same thing. You're preparing the same field, but, uh, you know, still just a thrill every day through, what was it, about mid-September, late September? Yeah, it was about, it was uh, the 26th. So okay. I think we went from August 10th to September 26th. Yeah, because it was the day before, the first day of the off season was my birthday, and that never happened. Usually we're two, three weeks into the, the off season. So the first day of the off season was my birthday. So that was a nice birthday present. But yeah, we got the Bisons back. Um, about three, two and a half, three weeks after the Blue Jays left, because we had a lot of, oh, just kind of reformatting in the clubhouse and little things, taking their signage down and just kind of readjusting for our game and our sponsorship and all that kind of stuff. All those signs needed to go up. And, and then, like I said, just kind of re reformatting in the clubhouse. Um, the visiting clubhouse was out in the parking lot 
So they had to move that indoors and just kind of realign things and readjust things for that. And then it was just kind of the same game over again. We just weren't on TV every night. It was, it was kind of nice because during the Blue Jays season, I didn't have a whole lot of control. Tom Farrell was there. So he did a lot of communication with the Blue Jays and all that. And I was just kind of running the day-to-day stuff and a lot of the cultural practices. And then once the kind of Bisons came back, it was like, okay, this is, this is my gig again. It was kind of nice to take that step back and not have a whole lot of heat on me. But now when the Bisons came back, uh, the stress came back a little bit too. And next year, Toronto will play all their home games in Toronto, unlike this year where they played in Dunedin and Buffalo. And they technically played one home game in Anaheim, yeah. <laughs> well, which should help them. Uh, and, and you'll get a full season at AAA. Anything you're looking forward to this offseason, prepping for next season, probably not having to convert the whole stadium for Major League Specs. I would imagine. Yeah, not, not having to do that and not having to go through another field renovation or anything like that. Just kind of can go in normal season uh, and just it's my game it's my show and that's what I'm looking forward to and one more baseball question before we get to the off the course off the field stuff because that's what this podcast is off the <laughs> we don't we, I try not to talk about work yeah but the Blue Jays were of course eliminated if folks have not been paying attention on the last day of the regular season game 162 yep. they needed the Red Sox or the Yankees to lose of course a game 163 and both of them won so the team you prep the field for is out, but you're a Braves fan. Yes, very big Braves fan. And they're still alive. They knocked out the Brewers the other night. So how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, my wife was out of town. She went back home to Philly this weekend, and I, I, I'm looking at it now on our balcony. I'm, I hung a, hung a very big Atlanta Braves fan at the flag, and she was not very happy about that because she's <laughs> a Phillies fan. Um, also, side note, I'm a Cowboys fan. My wife is an Eagles fan, so don't oh. ask how that works. But, you know, she's had to put up with me being a Braves fan, especially the last couple nights, especially when they clinched. I was very raucous and making a lot of noise. But I, I'm, I'm happy about it. I, yeah. I hope we play the Giants. I don't want to play the Dodgers. I think their pitching staff is – I don't want to go up against Scherzer and Bueller and Urias at all, and Trey Turner is just on fire. I think we match up a little bit better against the Giants, but I'm I'm a very happy Braves fan right now. I mean, the Dodgers, if Kershaw had not been hurt, yeah, Trevor Bauer hadn't turned out to be an even bigger, uh, I'll just say jerk. Yeah. Uh, he was in Cleveland <laughs> for many years. I didn't care for him here, but if he hadn't turned out to be just a less quality person even than we all imagine, I mean, imagine that as a rotation. Good Lord. Oh, yeah. That, that's just yeah, unstoppable. That's a dream come true. That's that's a, you only get that in a video game, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, and and maybe 1990s Tony La Russa baseball. Yeah, <laughs> since he's back. <laughs> I don't know. That, that that baffles me that he's in a he's in a major league dugout. I I, I just I can't believe it. We don't need to go there. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> so off the course, off the field. One of the things you mentioned when we talked for the magazine story earlier this year was like a lot of people, like literally millions of people, you are a big time Marvel and Marvel Cinematic Universe fan. Yeah. When you were furloughed for a while from the loons earlier this year, it seems like a, an eternity ago, but it was right. No, it was last year. Yeah, it was last year. Okay. It wasn't eternity ago, it was a year and a half ago. It, it feels like eternity ago. Yeah. You 
you spent that time watching a lot of Netflix, watching a lot of uh, Disney Plus was around then, maybe then? Yeah, yep. But watching a lot of Netflix, Disney Plus, catching up on MCU stuff. I know we've talked about WandaVision. So let's go back to the beginning. Was it comic books? Was it toys? Was it the X-Men cartoon series? How did you dive into being a Marvel and now a Marvel cinematic? You hit the, the it was the third one you said. It was that X-Men cartoon series. I remember as a kid, me and my brother were so into it. And then we collected comic books and the toys. And I was always a bigger X-Men fan than anything else. But now that we're starting to get the, the MCU is so big and it's so popular now that, you know, you can't help but be a fan, especially if you loved anything as that as a kid. But yeah, it was, it was that X-Men comp, uh, cartoon series was, was awesome. I love how it's on Disney plus now. So I got to rewatch that and pretend I'm eight years old again. It was pretty nice. <laughs> Such a great theme song. I think was Jubilee created for that show. We're yeah. going, we're going deep and we're going to lose a lot of people already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So there was a time between that show and the start of the Marvel movies when it was not necessarily cool to be a comic book fan. Like when you and I were kids, there was, you're a few years behind me, not much, but like the Batman movie came out when we were really little, Batman Returns. And that was, was pretty much it for like major comic book movies. Yeah, that was it until like, you know, that first X-Men movie came out and then we got the Spider-Man movies and then everything really just kind of exploded. So over time, were you, before the MCU, did you stick more with TV shows? Did you just gravitate toward comic books or, or how did that work? Yeah, it was more TV shows watching that. Like I said, it was just the cartoon shows on Saturday morning. And then once the movie started coming around, I loved the Keaton Batman movies when I was real little. And and then I absolutely, like I said, I loved the X-Men. So that was that was my thing. Once those movies started coming out, that was great. We had a couple good ones. We had some really, really bad ones, and then a couple <laughs> good ones again, and then a couple bad ones again. So, are you telling me you didn't like Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Gubernator? That was great. <laughs> <laughs> I've stricken it from my memory. <laughs> his last movie, by the way, totally random fun fact: his last movie before he became governor of California was a remake of Around the World in 80 Days. Was it really? Yeah. I didn't know we did that. Totally random. He had a small part. <laughs> so a lot of the TV shows, not so much the comics. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. You didn't, you we, didn't... we collected comic books a little bit, yeah. but it's always more the TV shows and, and the action figures and stuff like that. What was that? Toy Biz? The yeah. 90s toys? Those were good. Mm-hmm. Like those. So the movies come out. How old are you when the first movies come out? Are you right in that prime age? Or are you a little old for it? Yeah, I think that first X-Men movie came out in like 98, 99, somewhere in there. I think it was like in seventh or eighth grade. So that was like prime, just absolutely loving life at that point. And then just from that point, you are... Just hooked. Have you seen... How how many have you seen in the theaters? I've seen... Pretty much have seen all the MCU ones in theater. I haven't seen Shang-Chi yet. Um, You've been busy. I've I've been a little busy, yeah. But I've pretty much, I'd say I've probably seen 75% of them in theater. Okay. And I know you've seen them all on various platforms, now all on Disney Plus, obviously. Oh, God, yeah. I got, I got the Disney Plus. I got them on Blu-ray. I got 
I got a collection. My wife is always just like, why are we still keeping these? We got it on streaming. I'm like, no, I like the director's cut. I like the commentary. I like the deleted scenes. I'm weird. I, I like to watch movies, any movie really that's like got the, the actor's commentary, the director's commentary on it. Well, and you keep it for this reason too. Stuff can disappear yeah. when you stream it and rent it. I've hosted mm -hmm. bar trivia now for almost exactly 10 years. And there is a song that I play at halftime. And I've played it at halftime for almost 10 years. It's from the Life Aquatic soundtrack. <laughs> and you know what wasn't there on Tuesday night for the first time ever? <laughs> that song. Not the entire soundtrack, just that song. So really? stuff disappears. Yeah. yeah. So uh, stuff disappears. So keep the DVDs. Yeah. What are some of your Marvel Cinematic Universe highlights, whether it's movies, characters, storylines? Again, I know we've talked about WandaVision. I could talk about WandaVision with you for yeah. a full podcast. But No, WandaVision was great. I guess recently the Loki series just kind of really blew my mind. I didn't think that was going to be any good. I was like, why are they doing this? Just like, he's dead. Like, let him go. Spoiler alert, he died at one point. Um, Way to really throw that out there. Yeah. <laughs> but once I once they released a trailer for it, I was hooked. I was like, okay, this is going to be good. And then the entire series was just absolutely phenomenal. I think it's so far out of the streaming stuff. It's been by far the best thing that they did. They always find a way to bring in big name stars too. And obviously yeah. the big one there is Matthew McConaughey, who has been in a bunch of stuff over the last 30 years, dazed and confused on. Was it the storytelling? Was it the character development? What was it about Loki? It was, it was definitely the storytelling, how they just kind of started to bring in the whole time travel thing and, and, and weaving in and out of the multiverse, I guess, with the branches and all that kind of stuff I thought was really, really neat because I've always kind of wondered now what they were going to do with it because you kind of got a, a little bit of a look at it in Endgame. Uh, you know, Tony Stark had that line where time always hits back or whatever it was like that. And you can kind of see the branches when Banner was talking to the Ancient One about taking the stones out and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of got interesting there on in which direction that they were going to go, but how they were going to fully do it. And then you kind of saw it, how they did it in Loki. And I, it, this is going to get good with, you know, the new Spider-Man's going to really hit on it. And I'm really, really looking forward to the new Doctor Strange movie. That is going to be, I think that's going to be absolutely crazy. Benedict Cumberbatch, Sherlock Holmes yeah. himself. <laughs> I love that now that you're in the off season, like what are your off season plans? Are you just going to sit around and watch the MCU for five hours a day that you would normally be at the ballpark. My, my wife thinks I do that. Yeah. That's okay. what she thinks. She <laughs> thinks usually she that. comes home and like, I do have like end game or something mindless on and I'm like reading a book or I'm like just looking at stupid YouTube videos or whatever, just kind of brushing up on turf grass stuff or whatever, or, or doing things for work. But yeah, I'll probably dive into that a little bit again and, and keep up with all the series again. And I know Hawkeye is going to start in November. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. If we move beyond just like the who's and what's of the MCU, I've always been fascinated by tribalism, like reading about English who like English football hooliganism, easy for me to say, <laughs> in the 80s. Obviously, you know, there's there's mixed households, blended households like yours, where you have a Braves fan and a Phillies fan, mm -hmm. Cowboys fan and an Eagles fan. You know, the, the tribalism is so strong. And you view MCU is like a sports team in terms of 
Oh yeah. The tribalism, like people identify fully as I'm an MCU fan. I see you see it online. I don't really feel like I'm only MCU and I only watch those movies and DC is terrible and all that. I don't really <laughs> get into that. I like the DC movies. I think they're getting better. It was kind of terrible what they did with Zack Snyder's movie and they let Joss Whedon do it and all that. But online, it's so it's very much like well, you said it's tribalism. It's MCU versus the DCU and all that stuff. I don't really get partake into that one versus another a whole lot i, I kind of i don't say i like them equally i like marvel way way better but you know i do enjoy the dc movies i mean it helps to have everybody in one city everybody in marvel is supposed to be in yeah. New York. the dc universe is a little more spread yeah, out they're, they're spread out yeah. yeah written whole trivia categories about fictional comic book cities <laughs> beyond <laughs> gotham and metropolis the two that everybody yeah. knows is that is that a positive is that a negative? Does it get people talking or is it, is it kind of a, a toxic thing, you think? I, I think it, it, it's especially like on Twitter and stuff, man. It gets so toxic with people yeah. just trashing one or the other and, and different people that are in the movies and people who are writing the movies and you can't do one and do the other. It's like when James Gunn was, you know, he did just the new Suicide Squad movie. People were all up in arms like, oh, he just did Guardians of the Galaxy now kind of parted ways with disney for a second and now he's going to do the suicide squad and you can't do both and it's just like you guys are ridiculous like the guy just wants a paycheck like let him do that <laughs> shades of uh you were probably right in the wheelhouse for uh attitude era wrestling WWE, yeah. wcw mm -hmm. i didn't realize gun had yeah. uh directed one free franchise it's like when rick rude because what was it wwe was taped and WCW was live. He showed up on both shows on the same Monday night. Yeah. <laughs> now you get James Gunn directing MCU and DCU. Yeah. Is there much crossover between the two besides like James Gunn doing a movie for each? I mean, you got Michael Keaton. He was in uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. You know, yeah. he was Batman for so long and I was going to be Batman again, I guess, in the new Flash movie. And, oh, there's a lot of characters now who have done both. Um, I mean, Ryan Reynolds was green lantern and now he's deadpool and oh man who else has been kind of crossed over like that i know evans did you know cap and human torch but that was still marvel movies i know there's been a handful of people that have kind of done both i love that i put you on the spot about this and you were able to rattle off like yeah it's it's sad that i can just start rattling things off like this. no it's not <laughs> you have to have interest you have to have passion yeah. Next time, next time people go to a Buffalo Bisons game, just remember that the guy running the show on the turf is, is a complete dork. Yeah. His head. <laughs> Are there any um, any characters who really stand out for you? Like, you know, I'm not in as deep as you are, but I love Vision. I like Wanda too, but I love mm -hmm. Vision. This uh, this synthesoid who was created by Ultron and <laughs> created to destroy the universe and he winds up saving it 37 times and all he wants is a family in in the suburbs and that's the basis of a wonderful <laughs> series that we talked about and in the tv show it's his wife who tries to do that and just you know taking these characters and, and putting superheroes in different and unique positions rather than when we grew up just trying to yeah. beat up bad guys beat up the bad guy and save the day and, and exactly. that's it where it's like now you kind of see that at times they're human, you know, even the or, or a synthesoid or whatever yeah. it is. 
Any characters stand out for you? I know you have um, about dozens here in the last. Yeah, I mean, 20 minutes. The cat movies are great. Evans was great at him. Um, when I was a kid, I was such a big Wolverine fan. Hugh Jackman did such a good job as Wolverine. Spider Man was my two favorite were Wolverine and Spider Man, and then I loved Deadpool too. I loved how vulgar he could be and how violent it was, and just very very funny. And seeing Ryan Reynolds play him is just like the most perfect casting of all time. You cannot get anybody better to play that character. A legitimately R-rated superhero movie. R-rated yeah. Those. So it'll be interesting once they finally start integrating that, how he's going to really work with Disney. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you walk around Disney World. I don't know. I, I haven't been down there in a while. Is there... I don't even know if there's a lot of Deadpool merch. It certainly can't I, be a walking, know, talking but... character in the parks. Yeah. <laughs> Go up and do something obscene to Mickey and Minnie. Yeah, right. <laughs> so in terms of you talking about a lot of discussion online, are you the kind of MCU fan who you don't just digest the movies and the TV shows? You read a little bit, you find out casting, you find out fan theories, you go super oh yeah deep, you know. yeah I, I go into the reddit and, and deep on twitter and look at you know trying to connect the dots and different characters that are gonna be rumored in the other movies and tv shows and all that and i was just looking at a couple of them the other day i know it, it looks like bill murray might be the new ant-man movie so that's gonna be pretty cool i know right bill murray is my that's, favorite actor of all time that's, that's the every movie that bill murray is gonna be in ant-man 3 and now i gotta uh, watch ant-man 3 the new one of the new series that i think is coming out next year moon Knight. it looked like george clooney i think directed an episode so that's kind of cool yeah. Yeah. you've you've broken news to me in the bill murray hey there you go i mean we're gonna go see the new wes anderson movie the night it comes out in the theaters because my wife and i are such well she likes wes anderson more i like Bill. yeah no I, I i love bill murray real quick aside favorite bill murray movie uh i i it's cliche, but I love Groundhog's Day. That's fine. I absolutely love Bob? that movie. Yeah. What about Bob? Is uh, that, that's a good one. I think it's right there. Yeah. Lake Winnipesaukee. That's tough <laughs> to go against Groundhog Day. That part of the yeah. best five movie stretch he ever made. Oh yeah. Yeah. Was, uh, see if I can still do the Scrooged, Ghostbusters two, throw in Quick Change. Quick Change, yeah, that's good. Co-directed, one. only yeah. movie he's ever directed, and then back to back, back to back, the man did What About Bob and Groundhog. Now he's going to be some ancient wise character. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what he's going to play, but I know now he's always more keen on not the bigger, larger starring roles, the quicker right. cameos and all that kind of stuff. So it'll be interesting to see who he plays. I mean, he voiced Baloo. Yeah, that is true. Book. He did, yeah. Which is weird. Anything that you don't like about the MCU? Anything that you're that, when, when when they kill somebody off, they're not truly dead. It sucks. <laughs> like, make some real stakes in the movies, you know? Okay, but wouldn't it be like if a, if a club promotes a guy to the majors and he doesn't cut it and he comes back to AAA? Okay. If he's in AAA, you know what? he's kind of dead to the <laughs> roster, but then he comes back, no? There's some similarities to real life here. That's a good analogy. That's a good know. analogy. But it's like... In, uh, in Winter Soldier, you know, they, they took down a shield and all that. And then, you know, a couple months later, there's an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show. And it's like, what is happening right now? 
what are we doing? <laughs> you don't have a red web on your wall, do you? No, I don't. I don't have yeah. that the Charlie Kelly meme thing yeah. going on. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about, whether it is MCU related, whether it is turf related, whether it's trying to get into golf, we'll give Thad Thompson a shout out. He's been on this, this podcast as well. <laughs> No, not the major. We kind of hit on like the two big things that I could always talk about, which is work and baseball and comic book movies. So, I mean, we can keep going for another three, four hours on that stuff. You're going to read The Vision by Tom King, right? Yeah. I know I've recommended this to I will get into that. Yeah. You recommended it. I will get into it. There's a, there's a lot of books that I have that I haven't gotten around to reading, but that one I read and that one was excellent. If people like stories that are just told in a visual format. Yeah. Vision by Tom King is remarkable storytelling. Any favorites that, for, that you want to recommend? Nothing really kind of off the top of my head, no. That's all right. <laughs> well, Kel, always great to catch up with you. I think we're going to probably see each other at STMAs in uh, More likely. Yeah. January in Savannah. Can't wait. That'll be fun. If, yeah. uh, if anybody from the golf world Wants to go to another trade show. Anna in January is lovely. Yeah, I, I, we're, I know I'm looking forward to it. I know a lot of people in the industry are looking forward to it. You know, we didn't have a, the in-person last year. So we're all looking forward to Savannah this year. Yeah, it'll be fun. And just look for obviously more golf course maintenance stuff, but more and more sports turf maintenance stuff on, on golfcourseindustry. Com. There might be some some fun stuff in the works the rest of this year and, and on into 2022. I'm looking forward to it. Cool. Well, I will let you go catch up on whatever <laughs> MCU show or movie you want to watch before your better half comes home and says, what have you been doing all day? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kel Renzel, he is the head groundskeeper at Salem Field. He's the head groundskeeper for the AAA Buffalo Bisons. And you could see his work this season. You watched a Blue Jays home game before August 10th? Yeah, it was like June 1st to the end of July, something like that for a good two-month stretch. Always great to talk with you, and thanks so much for coming on Off the Course. Thank you. Appreciate it. My thanks again to Kel Renzel for taking some time to step off the course, and my thanks to all of you for listening to all the podcasts on the Superintendent Radio Network. New episodes of Beyond the Page, Greens with Envy, Off the Course, and the OG Tartan Talks right here just about every Tuesday. Our October issue is online now with four great construction and renovation stories, plus features about water and trees, and there's columns and all sorts of great stuff to read if you haven't already read it online. Check it out at www.golfcourseindustry.com magazine. The physical copy should be coming to your inbox. If it's not there already within the next couple of days. You can read more industry news and notes in our Fast and Firm newsletter. That's delivered every Tuesday to your inbox. Sign up online at www.golfcourseindustry.com under the subscribe tab. Golf Course Industry is produced by Guy Cipriano and me, Matt Lowell. Our columnists are wonderful. Terry Buchan, Henry DeLosier, Bradley S. Klein, Tim Morgan, and Matthew Wharton. We have some fantastic regular contributors, too. Tyler Bloom, Trent Bouts, Lee Carr, Ron Furlong, Judd Spicer, John Torsiello, Anthony Williams, and Rick Wolford. 
Rick's two podcasts, Women's Golf Report and Wonderful Women of Golf, are fantastic. Give those a listen next, especially if you've never listened to any of them. Our publisher is Dave Zai. Our sales team is Russ Warner and Andrew Hatfield. Jim Blaney designs the magazine. Caitlin Sellers makes sure everything goes where it should. Christina Warner makes sure you all receive the magazine. Kelly Antle makes sure we all get paid. That's important. Michaela Dodrell handles advertising and production. Irene Sweeney does more than anybody in this building can keep straight. She's amazing. Anna Kolar, Cody Minnick, Tom Bauman, and Patrick Briand are our IT team. Our president is Chris Foster. Above all else, we could not do what we do without you. Thanks so much. Go listen.